Uh, I'm Scott McMillamy, I'm the Family Discipleship Worker uh, at First Port Down. Uh, you'll be sad to know that I'm not joined by my sidekick Elijah this week, you'll just have to make do with me. Uh, but what a privilege we have to open God's Word together. Can I encourage you, would you open up your Bibles to the passage that Paul and Noah read for us earlier, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7-23, to we'll be... Um, using that to help us guide our way through um, love as part of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, so please open up your Bible there, um, have it in front of you as we uh, make our way through that passage. Um, but as we come to learn from God's Word together, uh, let's ask for His help. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your Word. Um, we thank you that even when we're uh, not together, you can use it to work mightily in our hearts and our minds to bring us uh, closer to you to draw us back to you, or to challenge us where we need it, and encourage us when we need it too. Lord, would you work in us uh, this morning, would you help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, here's a, a story that I love to tell, that Ruth, my wife, hates, but it's told with permission, so we're good. In the summer of 2013, when we were fresh-faced, uh, when we were just boyfriend and girlfriend going out, we both went to the city of Philadelphia in the States, the city of brotherly love, know this, on separate CE mission teams. Her team went out first and she went to West Philadelphia, and my team left about 7 to 10 days later to South Philly, a completely different part of the city. Now, that makes a difference in a city that big, with a population that big. Um, the city of Philadelphia has a population around the size of that of Northern Ireland, so it's a big place. Now, a few days later, um, after Ruth's team went home, I was walking through Center City, Philadelphia with a friend when a man came up to me and he stopped us and he said, I'm sorry, I heard your accents. Are you guys from Northern Ireland? To which we kind of confused by this whole interaction said, uh, yep, yeah, we are from Northern Ireland. Why do you ask? And he looked at me and he said, are you Scott? Now, Population, huge. City, huge. I didn't really have celebrity status back then. I still don't. So it was a bit odd, but I said, yes, I'm Scott. And he said, and I'll, I'll never forget it, I thought so. I met Ruth. She talks about you all the time. It's kind of annoying. Now, by my smug face, you can probably tell why I love that story and why Ruth is scundered by it. It's evidence she loves me. And hopefully you can see why it is relevant to the first of our uh, topical mini-series on the fruit of the Spirit. Hopefully you can see why that is so relevant to love. This story tells us the same thing, actually, that Galatians tells us about love. This story tells us actually this, the very same thing that 1 John chapter 4 tells us about love. And it's this. If there's love in us, it's got to come out. If there's love in us, it has to come out of us. If there's love in us, it's got to be obvious. If, if we have love, we should be loving and if we love Jesus, we should express that to the point where people might even say, that's kind of annoying. 
how do you know there's love in you? Well, you'll be loving. And how do we know we are actually loving? Well, it's actually kind of simple. We will love to love. Do we love to love? Is loving something that we love to do? Now, now think of the context of Paul's letter to the Galatians here. It's really helpful. Paul is telling the Galatians time and time again that we don't keep God's law in order to uh, earn God's favour, but rather if we love Jesus, if we trust in Jesus, we've been given God's favour freely, and so we're able to freely live in a way that pleases God. And in the same way, the fruit of the Spirit tells us that we don't try and be patient or peaceful or love in order to earn God's love, but rather because of the work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and and the work of the Spirit of God, planting the love of God deep in our hearts and giving that to us freely, helping us know and experience freely the love of God, then we are people who are free to go and love. Love isn't a chore. It's part of our freedom in Jesus and it's something we should love to do. 1 John 4 says the same thing actually, verses 10 to 11. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If you have love, then love. And if you really love God, and you really love people, you will love to love God, and you will love to love people. But, if you've been working through Galatians with us, you will have heard that a huge problem for people, people like us, is that we so easily and quickly forget the truth of the gospel, or or we readily misremember the truths of the gospel. We forget what Jesus has done or we limit in our minds the extent of what Jesus has done for us. And we do this with his love. Now, sometimes, yes, Christians make the love of God into some mushy-gushy, sentimental type thing, which it's not. But even we as Christians can also make the opposite mistake and think of our salvation really solely in terms of just cold, hard facts, removed, heartless theology. And so we think Christianity and our salvation is, well, it's about thinking the right way and believing the right things and then just going and doing the right things. I believed in Jesus, tick. Jesus lived, yes. Jesus died, yes. If I believe in Jesus, he saves me and then I got to go and live the right way. And for a lot of us, that's the extent of our Christianity. And none of that in and of itself is wrong, but it's, it's certainly not the whole picture. It's cold, it's, it's hard, it's just not, it's not the whole thing. Because the gospel isn't some sort of cold transactional agreement that you enter into with the help of a solicitor, almost like a mortgage, where if you keep up your repayments, all good, and if you don't, it's going to be revoked. The gospel isn't a transactional agreement. And we know it's not because of 1 John 4 verse 8. Three, three words at the end of that verse. Three words that really change everything. God is love. God is love. 
God is love. And those three words change everything. When we read those words and we allow them to work in us, well, no longer is there room for thinking, hey, I've, I've, I've done the right things to please God. I, I know the right things about God. I'll go and do the right things to, in order to keep this guy's favour good for me. But actually, when we realise that God is love and we allow the Spirit to work in us and help us come to the full realisation of the truth of that, well then, actually, well, I could never believe the right things by myself or know the right things. I could never do the right things. More than that, we realise that we could never love the right things or love people the right way or love God even the right way. But God who isn't just loving, but God who is himself love sent Jesus Christ to live a life of love, to die a death out of love, to rise again and secure our eternal future out of love, who then gives us his spirit, his spirit of love. First John 4, 13, to live in us so that we may know God's love and share God's love. God is love. And he does that for us out of love if we believe in and love Jesus Christ. Verses 15 and 16 of 1 John chapter 4 make it really clear that Christianity isn't just about head knowledge, but it's deeply rooted in love. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And so there's no room to think of, of this just as knowledge, but rather when we experience the love of God, we have altered affections, we have changed hearts, and we should have transformed lives. The gospel is an act of love by a God who is love taking loveless, unlovable people like you and me and making us lovely and loving because of Jesus. Do, do you know the love of God today? Have the rays of God's love shone onto your heart and warmed your soul and changed you from the inside out? You, you, can, you can believe, yes, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he existed, that he died, maybe even that he rose and all the rest of it. But if you don't love him, and I mean really love him, well, what, what use is all that knowledge? Without the love of God and a love for God, what, what's the point in any of this? But, but the love of God, the eternity shaping love of God is yours to take hold of today. If you believe that Jesus is the son of God and you love him for the love that he has shown to you by giving up his life for you. That's yours to take hold of today. And if you're a Christian, if you have taken hold of that love, if you love Jesus, well, Jesus says in Matthew 7, to paraphrase him, people will know you're legitimate in your faith by your fruit. In other words, you'll show whether you actually belong to Jesus with how you live your life. 
And the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit is that every single aspect is intensely practical. Like that story of Ruth at the beginning, if there's love in your heart, the fruit of the Spirit tells us that you'll show that with your life. That's what Jesus says. So really practically, from the last few verses of 1 John 4, what does it look like to love? To show the Spirit at work in your life through love of God and love for others. Three quick things. The first one is this. To be loving is to have confidence in God's love. 1 John 4 verses 17 to 18. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, it's worth saying this side of eternity, none of us will ever be perfected with our love. But what John is getting at there is a gradual growth over time as the Spirit works in us and bears fruit, love, in our lives. And that involves being confident in God's love in a twofold way. Part A, we aren't to live lives terrified that we might mess up or ruin our right standing with God somehow uh, if we love him. We, we shouldn't be scared to the point where we refuse to interact with anybody or the world or actually, you know, go and live our lives the way God wants us to. God is, to quote uh, a, a book I read my son Elijah every single night, he's a God with a, a love that's never ending, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever. If he gives his love to us, he's not going to take it away. We aren't, as Christians, like cats chasing a laser we're never going to catch when it comes to God's love. It's actually something that we have it, we can never lose. And so we should have confidence as we go about in this world with God's love. And that leads to part B, which is this. If God's love breeds confidence and God's love is powerful and never ending, never giving up, unbreaking and it's eternal and it is, we shouldn't be scared to share it. We should actually have confidence to share it, not because we're lovely or powerful or able to convince, we're none of those things, but because our God, who is love, is also all of those things. And what could be more loving than to share his love? A love that changes lives, a love that saves souls, a love that will one day make everything new. To be loving and to share God's love is to be part of God's transforming work in this world. That is the most exciting project there could ever be. It's far more exciting than the building project. And we're invited to be part of that. Have confidence, get involved. We should be confident and God's love. We should also be selfless with God's love. 1 John 4 19 tells us why we love. We love because he first loved us. We should be selfless with God's love. We, we love not to earn the favour of God or the favour of others. We aren't to be more loving uh, to people who we think can serve our wants and desires, not that that's actually love anyway. Now, we don't love to look good or love for selfish gain or ambition. We love that because that's what recipients of God's love do. They love. 
they love because of Jesus than they love others for Jesus. And so because we know the love of Jesus, love that puts us first, love that put Christ on the cross, we should follow his example. We should actually be excited to follow his example. Our, our love should, when it's appropriate, be costly with time and money and energy. Our love should be readily self-sacrificial. It should seek the welfare of others. It should go out of the way to be helpful. To be loving is to put ourselves last in a world that tells you to look after number one first. And that's not always easy. It's definitely not always comfortable. But it's absolutely always worth it. We should be confident in God's love. We should be selfless with God's love. And finally, we should be indiscriminate with God's love. And by that I mean we should love the people we struggle to like. 1 John 4, 20-21 If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That commandment at the end comes right from the words of Jesus in John 13 verses 34 to 35. And you commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me ask you this, how often are churches known as places of infighting, hypocrisy, cesspits of, of, of bitterness and hatred rather than refuges of love? And that's because we as Christians refuse to take Jesus seriously. Just as he has loved us, that's the standard we are given to love one another. A love that bled and died is the love we are to show those that we disagree with. Those that are maybe rude to us. Those who actually don't love us back. Jesus doesn't say, love others the way they love you. That's fine. But the man who was crucified for his enemies, said, love others the way I've loved you. If you struggle to love someone, and we all do, ask yourself this, if Jesus didn't hesitate to die for that person, and the spirit was quick to indwell that person, what gives me the right to be slow to receive them? Why should I be slow to love someone like that? Someone that Jesus was pleased to see of. We should be confident in God's love. We should be selfless with God's love. And we should be indiscriminate with God's love. We, we all struggle to love from time to time. And so we should know that we can't do this by ourselves. It's only by the Spirit of God pointing us to Jesus and using our efforts and changing our affections and spurring us on in our quest to love others that we can actually be part of God's work of love in this world. As I was preparing this, I was thinking that one of the most glorious things 
about thinking on the love of God is that it gives us the right. It gives me the right to say to you, my brothers and sisters, in a completely non-cheesy way that I love you. I love you. I think we probably don't say that enough at Eaton Dairy. I love you. I really do. Not because I'm loving, because I'm not. Not because I'm lovely or lovable. That's all pretty subjective. But I can say I love you and I can mean it because God is love and he has shared his love with me. And he enables me to love you. And even better, in fact far better than me saying that I love you, is that I can say if you love Jesus Christ, the love of God and the God of love are yours forever. You have a saviour that showed you by his death that you're loved. And you have a God that helps you then love others the way he's loved you. That's good news. Let's talk to the God of love together. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are love. And that you share your love with us people who are completely undeserving of it. Father, would we remember just how loving you are, just how loved we are, even though we don't deserve it. And Father, would you use that to spur us on out of gratitude, out of your love, to go and love others with confidence, without thought for ourselves. To love those that we struggle with and those who struggle with us. Lord, help us as believers to point to you. Help us as a church at Eden Diary to be a community of love because of your love. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.